Greetings. This is your 128th Count Them 128 podcast with TechLaw10. I'm Eric Sinrod from Dwayne Morris LLP based in San Francisco. I'm joined by my partner in cyber activities, Jonathan Armstrong. And speaking of cyber activities, Jonathan, I understand for whatever reason you've crossed the pond and now you've been apprehended by the FBI in <laughs> Chicago. Jonathan, what are you doing? Yeah, well, thanks very much for that, Eric. Uh, Jonathan Armstrong, jonathan.armstrong at cordrycompliance.com. Um, yes, I am in Chicago, and I, um, well, actually, I, I prefer to look, look at it another way. Um, I've been speaking at the SCCE conference, and I'm grateful to uh, Roy Snell and Adam Turtletaub and their crew for inviting me uh, over to Chicago to speak. And I'm also grateful for giving me um, the most incredible warm-up man. I spoke, uh, admittedly, a day after the director of the uh, FBI um, uh, and Director Comey spoke at the conference about the risks of cyber terror, um, which was the subject of a talk I did with uh, Tom Obermeyer uh, today. And I thought some very interesting things, not necessarily anything new, but a statement of how seriously the FBI is taking these issues. I mean, uh, Director Comey said, for example, I worry about cyber every single day. And another uh, great comment, I think he said, there are two sorts of companies in the U.S., those who've been hacked and those who don't know they've been hacked. Um, some very uh, insightful thoughts, I think, into the way in which the uh, FBI is approaching the problem and also the scale of the task. For example, he said that when the, I, uh, when the FBI was set up, even a great criminal could do really only one job a day. And now a good cyber criminal could do about a thousand attempted crimes a day. And as he put it, and still uh, whilst dressed in his pajamas. So the scale of the, uh, of the task was apparent for all to see. He said that um, he had even been um, uh, used as a, as a phishing tool almost himself. He said, if anyone gets an email from me, asking you to mail money to Nigeria, don't do it, it's not me. And he also told quite an amusing story of uh, uh, some the same fraudsters who tried to con uh, the director's own father into sending funds to Nigeria uh, to, help, um, to help him out. Um, there were also some, some tips, I think, on how businesses can respond. And I think they're of universal application and certainly apply in the UK as well. One of those I think that was very interesting is that businesses need to invest time in getting to know law enforcement officials. And I know we've said it before, Eric, uh, but my own view is that for most corporations of any size, hacking is a when, not an if now. And knowing that it's a when, not an if, and knowing that we're in this new normal when we're all vulnerable and are all going to be attacked, then you do have to invest proper time in a plan. And part of that plan will be knowing who you're going to ring. You know, it's a bit like Ghostbusters, isn't it? The answer isn't going to be Ghostbusters in this case. It's going to be ringing the FBI or the equivalent in, uh, in, in your jurisdiction. And it does, pay time, uh, it, it does pay back time now to ring and, and, and make those relationships ahead of time find out the sort of evidence they're going to need you to gather when you go in, 
maybe look at some preventative measures. I've done this with a client recently where we've had some insightful input from law enforcement looking at the risks and how they can reduce, in this case, fishing risk uh, and how they can coordinate action if they see patterns of behavior across their network. And then obviously the other thing to do is, uh, and, and the Dutch uh, privacy regulators been uh, been quite uh, insightful on this as well, is, is the businesses have got to treat cyber risk a, a bit like they treat fire risk in their offices. They've got to have a plan. People have got to know what to do in the event of an emergency. And you've got to rehearse it. Having a plan that's static, that sits there on the shelf, and isn't rehearsed is no good. You've got to get into almost muscle memory of knowing what to happen when you discover an attack, when you discover that you're under attack, and how you reduce the risk. And uh, obviously very relevant in terms of things like the Sony hack, when the, um, you know, the executive of the company made some uh, uh, Twitter comments that were ha perhaps ill-judged and magnified the problem. And that's going to be part of the plan that you respond in a controlled and not an off-the-cuff manner. So I wonder if any of that resonated with you now that, um, you know, obviously you're subject to his jurisdiction, so you don't, uh, you, you might have a view given that you pay his wages and I don't. So I'm not supposed to send funds to him in Nigeria? Now you <laughs> tell me. <laughs> you know, Jonathan, it occurs to me in listening to our podcast, I suffer in following you when you go first because you have such a wonderful British accent, of course, we all know where it's from, Hartlepool, near Liverpool, everybody. But here I am in my Yank accent, and so I'll do the best I can in following you. Um, all your points are, are good ones. Uh, true, it's not you know if, but, but when. And two companies do need to have in their muscle memory how to respond. And they also need to be extremely cognizant of you know, data breach notification laws here in the U.S., and I'll be interested mm -hmm. in than what you have over there. But, you know, once upon a time, you know, companies were, I believe, reluctant to go public with when they had, you know, a breach or they'd been hacked because they were deeply concerned that they would look bad in the eyes of their customers and potentially they would lose business or their share price would go down. Um, I think those days are over. First of all, there are legal requirements, so, you know, basically have to comply with the law. Mm. But secondly, I believe that uh, the public now knows that this is, uh, you know, a new world, and I think the public likely gets also that it's not if but when, and so they understand that companies are responsible when they come forward and say, by the way, your information may have been compromised. Here are the steps you need to take to protect yourselves while we're also protecting you at the same time. That's a good company. That's good business. That's not an embarrassed company. Now, of course, if a company is getting targeted repeatedly and is having you know, personal, ident personal identifiable and important information being compromised and adequate steps are not being taken, um, you know, then you know, that, that's another story. But hopefully you know, most you know, sizable companies are responsible enough and smart enough to get the job done right, especially when they've been hit and they've already had their go public once. So, um, you know, we've had these data breach notification laws cropping up, you know, among the states around the country. Uh, it's now something that companies understand, and of course, we counsel companies on how to be in compliance and to be ready to be in compliance. Uh, so I'll throw it back to you with any final thoughts 
on notification laws over there, uh, Chicago, Hartlepool, however you'd like to wrap up, my friend. Oh, well, thanks very much for the, for the kind words. And I, I, yeah, in turn, I, I agree with everything that you said as well. I mean, the director seems sympathetic to the worry that uh, corporations have that inviting the, the, you know, the feds in uh, gets ugly and they take uh, equipment away and they don't uh, you know, involve people in the investigation and don't feed back. He says that he's been to, I think he said, about 50 field officers in his first year, giving them the message which he said he learned as GC of a defense contractor that you need to be sympathetic, you need to regard victims as victims uh, of, of cybercrime, and particularly you need to be careful with corporations not to uh, obstruct them in doing business, otherwise they won't feed back any more information. Um, as you know, Eric, um, one, of, uh, one of my interesting experiences this year was uh, I co-authored an article with my daughter on uh, what Elizabethan troubles teach us about cybersecurity. So the, the, the message that we had in, in that, and I think is similar to the director's message, I'm not sure he'd read the article, I'm not suggesting for one minute that the FBI read people's emails, is that, um, is that vigilance is the watchword. If you see something unusual, you really need to take a look because the vectors of these attacks change and they get ever clearer. So we need to be ever more watchful for different, uh, you know, different ways of attack. Very briefly on uh, data breach notification, of course, there's EU proposals going through at the moment, 24 hours, uh, mandatory uh, notification breaches within 24 hours. My guess is that's going to extend out to 72 or beyond. We already have breach notification laws in some countries, Austria, Germany, some of the Scandinavian states. And, there, and that undoubtedly, like the US, is going to get tougher in the months ahead. So another reason to be vigilant and another reason to have a plan in place. My suspicion well, is that's probably um, more than our 10. Maybe I'll hand yeah, well, it back to you to wrap up for a change then, Eric. Hey, thank you, Aaron. Well said. And I, I like the fact that you agreed with everything I said, including the fact that you have such a wonderful accent. So you agreed with that too because <laughs> that was included. I'm sorry I missed you in Chicago because I'll be in Chicago myself in two weeks. But this has been your 128th. Tech Law 10 podcasts. We're bringing these to you because you want them and we're here for you. So I'm Eric Sinrod in the San Francisco office of Dwayne Morris. My contact information is ejsinrod at dwaynemorris.com. As you know, you can find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, all the usual uh, social media outlets. You can feel free to send us suggestions for further podcasts as you have in the past. I do like to have Jonathan close because he has that beautiful a lilt in his accent, and plus he likes to uh, somehow close out in some sort of humorous fashion. So now I'm setting you up, Jonathan, so now you need to close out with something a little bit funny. Can you do it? Yeah, probably not. It's been a long day for me. But um, <laughs> I, I'm uh, jonathan.armstrong at uh, cordrycompliance.com. In lieu of anything funny to say, I'll have thought of something by next week. Uh, all that remains is to thank you for listening. Uh, I'm sure that all of you are listening with the appropriate warrants in place. And uh, do keep listening and uh, keep those suggestions coming, as Eric said, and we'll speak to you next week. Take care. And stop, and stop sending money to the Jonathan in Nigeria. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's my comment. All right, cheers. Thanks, all. Bye now.